Thank you, Miss Ndidi. I'm uh, so blessed of all the ministers that have come out. I know you have many things going, and by joining us, you know you actually affect the meeting. When you come and bring your faith with you, it affects things. And so uh, it's wonderful. The Bible said how good and how pleasant it is. As our brother was saying, that unity is just it's something the devil hates so much. Oh, it just makes him so mad when we lay aside our differences and work together. But thank God, the prayer the master prayed, it will come to pass. Yeah. Hallelujah. It will not fail to come to pass, regardless of what we see and feel. In seeking the Lord about my part in these days, I was impressed with uh, Proverbs, if you'd turn there, the third chapter, Proverbs chapter 3. Phyllis, my wife, sends her, her greetings and respect. And uh, she and I were, we, we just completed uh, 40 one years in the ministry. <laughs> Hallelujah. And let's see, we've been married 45. Yeah. And thank God. He sustains. He keeps. And uh, we were talking between ourselves, looking back over... Uh, how God got you into the ministry and then how one thing led to another and led to another. Uh, I was going to be a fighter. A full contact martial arts fighter. And my dad put me in a school of martial arts when I was uh, 10 years old. And by the time I was 18, that's, I was sure that's what I was going to do. And um, thank God the Lord had another idea for me. <laughs> because by now, you know, by the time you get to be 35 in that profession, you're an old man. And I'd be long done and with all kind of bruises. And <laughs> But we still are in the fight. Hallelujah. Fighting the good fight. Woo! Hallelujah. And the good one's the one you win. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. But my wife Phyllis and myself were, were talking about how the Lord led us by His Spirit. First, to go to Bible school. We thought we would go one year and then return home and work in our church. And 20 years later, we were still there helping, at that point, the founders of, of the ministry. And um, we both agreed that one of the great, greatest things that the Lord ever revealed to us was how to be led by His Spirit. Because every decision, every choice, at every juncture, 
You can go the right way or the wrong way. And by His grace and by His Spirit, we were able to ascertain His plan, His way. And we learned those things back in uh, the late 70s through Brother Kenneth Hagin, Sr., who's in heaven now, who described how he had a vision of the head of the church. Some of you may have read some of his books. or uh, he, he, he has one entitled, How to Be Led by the Spirit. And in that, it's got a, I think it's white, it's got a dove on the front. Uh, in that book, he, he describes part, part of it, how he had an open vision. And the Lord described to him, taught him about the inner witness and how his spirit leads and guides. I'd never heard that anywhere else or from anybody. And it changed our lives. Oh, glory to God. And Phyllis, my wife and I were talking about it. Every day, you know, you have scores of decisions to make, right? Especially if you have more going on and things get bigger, you've got decisions. Well, how do you know what to do? How can you be sure that you're doing it the way the Lord wants you to do it, that you do it the right way? There's only one way to get it right, and that is to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. And that's not just for preachers. That's for every child of God. If you're born of the Spirit, you should be led by the Spirit. Can you say amen? Amen. I changed my mind. Go to Romans, the eighth chapter. I, I, I won't forget about Proverbs, but go to Romans, please, the eighth chapter. The great verse uh, that talks about being led by the Spirit is in this chapter, Romans chapter 8. And beginning in the first verse, I want to read, oh, five or six verses here. Romans 8 and 1 says, There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now that that phrase he keeps referring to through half of this chapter. Flesh versus Spirit. Walking after the flesh, or you could say following the flesh. Or following the Spirit. He keeps contrasting the two. Let's, let's continue. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. See, He keeps talking about flesh. And then He's going to contrast it with spirit. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Said out loud, walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So obviously we can do both. And when he says, do this instead of this, that means it's your choice. Your choice. 
Keep reading. He said, For uh, they that are after the flesh, or those that walk after the flesh, they do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, in other words, they mind the things of the Spirit. And this shows the connection. The connection is the mind. The mind, if you, if you will, is the in-between, the connector between both the spirit and the flesh. Both the inner man and the outer man. And we can focus on the outer man and be led by the outer man. And you do that, and you'll make mistakes. And you'll miss it again and again and again. Even if you are brilliant, and even if you have the latest and most complete information available, you will still miss it again and be wrong again and again and again. Why? Because you can never know enough to make the perfect choice and decision for one thing what do you know about the future that alone makes you unqualified to make perfect decisions that affect tomorrow but there is one who lives inside you who knows the end from the beginning who does know the future. And the master said, Jesus said, that when he comes, huh, he will guide you. Oh, somebody say guide you, guide you. Put your hands on your, your midsection. Say it out loud. The Spirit of God, the living Spirit of God, lives in me. And he guides me. Into all truth. He guides me. He guides me. Now one of the greatest tragedies. Is that millions of Christians. Have the spirit within. But they never look to him. He knows. The answer to every question. He knows the right choice. For every dilemma. And yet, people look out here, listen to everybody else, rely on their own understanding, and never check inside. Have not learned. Many Christians, still to this day, don't realize they're more than mind and body. God, our Father, is called the Father of Spirits. Is that right? And you are a spirit. Not just a mind. Not just mind and body. You are spirit. And the spirit is not the mind. God is spirit. Hallelujah. He is spirit. He's not, the Bible didn't say, God is mind. Now, he has what we'd call a mind, certainly. 
But he's not mind, and you're not, you're not a mind. You have a mind. Say it out loud. I'm a spirit. I have a mind. I live in a body. You're looking at me right now through those two windows we call eyes. I see your house. I don't see you. You're behind your eyes. You're in there. You're looking through the windows. And when you die, you will not cease to exist. You will not turn into an angel. That'll be a, that would be a demotion. You, the Bible said we shall judge angels. You will slip out of your body like a hand comes out of a glove. And you'll still be you. You'll still be you. You'll have your mind, but you won't be limited. Like this body limits you. And thank God, one of these days, when the trumpet sounds, your body's going to be changed. And you'll have a body that can keep up with your spirit. And you'll never grow old. And you'll never get weary. Hallelujah. Won't it be wonderful? No more sick. No more tired. But until then. Until then. We got a course to run. We got a job to do. Everyone has a service. You say, well, I'm not called to preach. Well, that doesn't mean that you're not called. Everybody has a call to service. And, and your grace and your time and your energies can make a difference somewhere in the church, in the kingdom. Keep reading, please. He said, uh, verse 5, They that are after the flesh, what do they do? They mind the things of the flesh. Now that's easy to do. That's easy to do because we live in this world and there's all kind of stimuli coming affecting this body the five senses and then of course your, your your brain that's going to your brain and your mind can is aware of hot cold hungry tired whatever all of the things going on in the flesh when he says the flesh he's talking about everything in this material realm but God doesn't lead us through our flesh, nor does he lead us through our mind. So you don't want to be making decisions based on hot flashes, or cold flashes, or chills, or things in this realm. What do you mean? Somebody says, well... Uh, who was it that put out a fleece? Gideon. People say, well, Gideon put out a fleece, and then that let him know what to do. Yeah, but Gideon wasn't born again. You couldn't tell Gideon be led by the Spirit. 
And so he, you know, he's trying to ascertain who's dealing with him. The danger of being led by external things is that Satan is the God of this world and he can do things in this realm. Now God has mercy on babies. And sometimes baby Christians have asked for things and the Lord in his mercy have protected them because he knew they didn't know. But you don't want to be doing things like, Lord, if you want me to do this, let four red cars pass by my house before dinner. You don't want to do that. Somebody said, well, I did that one time and it were, I know the Lord has mercy. But now you know and you need to be aware the enemy can influence things externally. In this realm. So you must not be led by external things. You can be led internally. Internally. By the Spirit of the living God. Say it again. Put your hands on you. On yourself. Say it out loud. I'm born of God. And the Spirit of God lives in me, and I am led by the Spirit of God. Now that's a choice to be led internally other than through the flesh, through the external. Keep reading. They that are after the flesh, they mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. I know uh, I was ministering some years ago, and afterwards uh, I saw a lady on the way out, and she, she shook her head. She said, I didn't get a thing out of your message today. <laughs> That's not real encouraging, is it? <laughs> I said, uh, what? What was wrong, sister? She said, you have a string right there on your pants. I had a string. A thread on my pants. Well, see, she was focused on the outside. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> and that's how you miss the whole thing. <laughs> now, you're laughing, but, you know, you can be sitting up in here dressed and looking nice, but your mind can be back home. Is that right? About some fried chicken that's in the refrigerator. You... <laughs> Your mind can be on work, right? Your mind can be, you can be noticing something, somebody in the crowd. And in order to develop spiritually, you must develop powers of concentration. You must learn to focus. Because the enemy is a master of distraction. Master of distraction. Oh, he's good at it. He's been practicing it on human beings for millennia. But you don't have to be distracted. You'll see it is a characteristic of babyhood and childishness. Little children are easily distracted, aren't they? Easily distracted. Spiritually, the same thing is true. But when you grow up, you can develop... And to where you focus and keep your mind where you want it to be. 
And when things are trying to pull, you just tune it out and keep your mind there until you're ready to put it somewhere else. We're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. Read it again. They that are after the flesh, what do they do? They mind, you could say it like this, they focus their mind on the things of the flesh which are all external. But they that are after the Spirit, or you could say those that follow the Spirit, they mind, they set their mind on, they focus on the things of the Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit is inside you. So when you need to make a, a decision, when you need to make a, a choice, God gave you a mind. He wants you to develop it. He wants you to use it. But He doesn't want you to trust it to make your decisions. Where we were going in Proverbs, and you're probably familiar with it, He said, trust in the Lord, what? With all your what? Where's your heart? Inside. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And, and what, what are you not to do? Don't lean to your own understanding. Don't do that. What, why? Because you can. I know uh, some years ago, we were at a juncture in ministry. And I felt like there was some other things we needed to do. But how do you do it? And for, for months, I couldn't get settled. And I thought about it, and thought about it, and thought about it. And they, what, are, what are y'all smiling about? I, I thought about it. Then I thought about it. <laughs> and one, one afternoon, uh, and in between services, I was, I was laying across the bed getting quiet. And I was thinking about it. (laughs) And the Spirit of God in me, I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but like any Christian can hear if if you'll pay attention. He spoke up. He said, Keith, don't think, pray. (laughs) Now, he means, how am I going to pray about what I don't know? Thank God for praying in other tongues. (laughs) Praying in the Spirit. And just like that, you know, the Lord can show you something in a split second. It'd take you two hours to try to explain. Just like that, I saw that like somebody looking through a file cabinet, I had been looking for the answer in my head. So if you look through a stack of files 20 times and you can't find it, and then you look through it another 800 times. What might you conclude? (laughs) What you're looking for is not there. And so much of what you're looking for ain't here. It's not here. It is not in your mental library. Too many people... Only look here and here. They don't look here. 
so much of what you need, most of what you need, is not here. Come on, help me out. Huh? Most of what you need, it's not up here. You're not going to find it. No matter how many times you so-called rack your brain, we should be quicker than this. Not have to look so many. And that's what the Spirit of God said to me. Don't think you've thought about this too much. Pray. What does that mean? Well, the Bible said when you pray in another tongue, you speak mysteries. Oh, hallelujah. Divine mysteries. I've had people try to tell me, well, you know, that's not for everybody. You know, praying in tongues is not for everybody. Well, where did you get that? No. Does everybody need the ability to pray beyond their understanding? Does everybody need the ability to build their self up on their most holy faith? Then why would God withhold it from any of us? Paul said by the Spirit, I would that you all spoke with tongues. And he said, I speak in tongues more than you all. And he's having to correct them for speaking at the wrong time. No, friend, you need to speak in tongues daily. Come on, did everybody hear this? Daily. Daily. And one of the things that that speaking in tongues does, it helps you to become more aware of your own spirit. Because that's where tongues comes from. Tongues doesn't come out of your head. It bypasses your head. And is a direct connection to your spirit. Hallelujah. And so what I did, I said, okay, Lord, I I get it, I get it. Help me to pray out the mystery of this thing I've been looking and seeking for. And then I started speaking in tongues. And I just spoke in tongues, spoke in tongues, but right by myself there in the bedroom for, I don't know, hour and a half or something. And I, I had a sense of victory and a sense of release. I still didn't know in my head, but I have a sense in my spirit, I got it. And within just the next few weeks, it all came clear. Hallelujah. I got this part and I got that part and I got that. I didn't get it out of my head. I didn't get it from asking ten people. Come on, are y'all with me? I didn't get it from analyzing the data. From crunching the numbers. The first church that we started there in Branson, Missouri. Phyllis and I had already been in the ministry at that time for 20 years and traveled. And we did not think we would pastor. We didn't think that was our call. Reverenced the the ministry, but didn't think that was our call. And, uh, but we, we, we got clear in our spirit that we were supposed to relocate to that town. So we did. I was traveling and my wife was there and she understands some things about real estate and she said, I'm going to look for a property while you're going on this next trip. I said, great. We came back. She said, you, you need to see this. I said, what is it? She said, it's a, 
a 3,000 seat place here on 10 acres. I thought, what a, what do we need that for? She said, I don't know either, but I have a witness about it. A witness. Somebody say a witness, a witness. Where does that witness come from? Come on, help me out. It's not in your head. The witness is not in your head. Where is it at? Where is it at? It's in your spirit. A witness. And so I, I met her over there. And it, it had been a, a theater, a show place. And uh, it was empty. And it wasn't set up for a church. And uh, uh, we, we had no congregation. We had no church. And so the man that met us for the uh, real estate company, he said, so how many people in your congregation? And <laughs> he said, well, right now, uh, none. He walked off. He just walked away. He's like. <laughs> but we had a witness. I said we had a witness in our spirit about it. So I, we went back to the place where we were staying. And I'm praying about it thinking, Lord, is this you? I mean, because we didn't have the money. I mean, we didn't have the money to rent it. Much less buy it. So, now, now what, why am I talking about this? In life, there are decisions. Is that right? Decisions determine your direction. Your direction determines your destiny. And that all comes back to that decision. That you made. If you hadn't made a decision, you wouldn't be here tonight. I wouldn't be here tonight if there wasn't a decision made. I I, I stayed up late a night or two or three, and I'm praying and I'm thinking, Lord, I didn't think that was our call. And and you know why not start out with you know storefront? You know I me. Mean? There are big utility bills on this place. And there, and so I spent several nights with a calculator trying, you're laughing again, trying to figure it out. And finally, I just put it in the drawer and shut the drawer because I couldn't make it work. Couldn't, there's no way I could see. But we had a witness. We had a witness. So... We made an appointment to talk to one of the owners. Three people owned it. And, uh, of course, they want millions for it. And so we don't have it. And so I, I asked him, I said, well, what if we do this? We had something we could sell and would give a little bit of money. And so if we do this and uh, at the end of... Uh, X amount of time at the end of a year or two or whatever, then we uh, lease purchase thing. And he said, no, we just want to sell it. And so I gave him another scenario. And he said, no, we just want to sell it. And so I gave him a third scenario of what if we do this, you know, some way to get in and get started and take a step. And he said, no. We just want to sell it. We said thank you for your time. 
and we went back to the little room we were staying in. And uh, Phyllis and I just sat there and looked at each other, and, and we, so we, we prayed. We said, Lord, we've done all we know to do. Um, we, you know, it, this seems like a, such a stretch, but um, it's, it's in your hands, Lord. Anything else you want us to do, show us. Uh, you know, after some of that, you kind of get tired, and we went to bed. <laughs> At 6 a.m. the next morning, the man we met with is calling. God kept him awake. He had already contacted the other two owners. Wants to meet for breakfast. We said, yes, yes, we'll be there. And he said, I told the other two gentlemen... We don't know what these ministers are doing. But there's something happening here. So he gave me a scenario. <laughs> and it was by far better than any of my three scenarios. He said, and he said, and if you are able to uh, purchase at the end of the year, we're going to sow X hundreds of thousands back to you. They even bought the ad in the paper for our first service and sent muffins. And the first service, first Sunday service, the only advertising was what they, the owners bought, gave us. We were out of money. 500 people showed up. First service. And I said, I said, you may ask, why are you here? Why did you come here? And um, they interrupted me. It seemed like the whole congregation shouted back and said, we know we've been praying. <laughs> but think about. Of all the places in the country, all the places in the world, all the people in the world, all the ministers in the world, how to get us at that place, at that time, with those people, and that thing, God has a plan. Is that right? And it's not up to us to make our own plans and get Him to endorse them. That's where people go wrong. And that's when you find out it doesn't work. And the people don't come. And the finances don't come. And the rest of the story is, at the end of that year, we did purchase it. And two years later, the whole thing was paid for. So God did it. He did it. But it all started with a witness. Is that right? A witness a witness. Here's one of the greatest things you ever heard. Are you ready? Hold on to your seat. <laughs> Is there a way to make the right choice every time? 
to make the right choice in every situation, every time. If you're led by the Spirit, there is because He never misses it. The leading of the Holy Spirit is infallible. It is incapable of error. Now our part is to identify it and act on it. And it takes discipline because the flesh can be antsy, impatient. Huh? Oh yeah. And pressure can come. You got to do something. 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 That's flesh. Coupled with the enemy bringing spiritual pressure on top. You remember when uh, they brought the woman that was taken in the act of adultery. Threw her down in front of Jesus. and Said the law says stoner. What do you say? You, what did he do? Help me out church. What did he, do? He, he, he knelt down. And started writing. In the ground. In the sand. As though he didn't hear him. And the scripture says, they continued saying, pressing him, well, what about it? Well, what about it? Do we stone her or do we not? He did not respond to them. What's he doing? Somebody says, well, he's, he's God. He already knew. That's true and it's not true. He is God manifested in the flesh, but he didn't know until he got it from the Father. This is something many have not understood. Jesus literally became a man. With, he didn't have the omniscience as God operating in him as a man. He laid it aside. Somebody says, how can he do that? He's God. <laughs> Philippians and other translations says he laid aside his mighty weight and power and, and glory, and became like other men. Now, it would have to be like that, or how could we believe what he told us that we could do the works he did? Because if he did them as God, I'm not God. Is that right? I but if he did them as a man, with no unfair advantage over me, if he did them as a man, anointed with the Holy Spirit, and he would give me the same Spirit, woo, we see the glorious opportunities to walk even as he walked. Hallelujah. Woo. Jesus, they're just writing. And, and the scripture says they, they continued to press him about it. Push him. Basically, they're saying, well, answer us. Do we stone her or do we not? Do we stone her or do we not? Does the master have a decision? Is there, is this, they're, they're pushing him for an answer. And a woman's life is in the balance. The law does say to stone her. That's why they thought they had him. 
that either way, they got him, they think. And you'll find the enemy will try to push you to make a choice between two wrong choices. Oh, this is worth you coming out to church tonight right here. Huh? You got to choose A or B. A or B. A or B. You stoner or you don't stoner? Stoner? Don't stoner. Stoner or don't stoner? Jesus just knelt down and ignored them and focused. Oh, come on, y'all listening. Focused. What's he looking for? He said, I only say what I hear the Father say. He's looking. He's looking. And then he got it. He got it. He stood up and he said, He that's without sin among you, go ahead and throw the first stone. And he knelt back down. (laughs) And let God deal with him. Come on, can you see that? That's the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the wisdom of God cannot be gainsaid nor resisted. It's infallible. It's unbreakable. And it's always right. It's always the right thing to do. And the perfect solution. So, they looked at each other. And now, see, when they said, do we stone or do we not? All the people then are looking at Jesus. They're like, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And he says, he that's without you, uh, excuse me, without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. He kneels back down. And then all the people look at them like, don't you pick up a rock. I know you. <laughs> so the focus is off of Jesus. And it's on them now. And one by one they said, I, I, I think i just leave. And <laughs> till they were all gone. Jesus said, has no man condemned you? She said, no man, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He didn't say it was all right. He called it sin. But he didn't condemn her. That's why he came into the world. Hallelujah. Not to condemn us, but to save us. But did Jesus operate by that inner witness? Was he led by the Spirit? Yes. He said, I only say. What I hear the Father say. I only do what I see Him do. He said, I can of my own self do nothing. Didn't He say that? Didn't He say that? So again, He's operating as a man, having emptied Himself. But did He get it right every time? Every time. He got it right every time. He never got up in the synagogue and preached on the wrong thing. He never went too long or too short. 
He never ministered the wrong thing. And he did it as a man. He's my hero. How about you? Jesus is my hero. But one of the reasons he did it, showing it can be done. Showing you can do it as a human being. But you won't do it. The servant's not above their master. You can't do it a different way. You have to do it the exact same way that he did it. He prayed a lot. Huh? Jesus prayed a lot. On one occasion it said, Jesus went to a certain place and prayed all night long. He prayed all night long, so he, 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 he never went to sleep that night. All night long, and the next morning, he calls and appoints the twelve apostles. Is that a coincidence? Now, these, these are big selections. Is that right? Because this twelve... Their names are in the foundation stones of the heavenly city. They are, they'll be appointed leadership over 12 tribes. So was it, was it important to get the right one, two, three, the right 12? Reckon there's any connection to him praying all night long? And then just hours later goes and says, you and you. And you, and you, and you appointed them twelve. If Jesus needed to pray, I need to pray. Huh? If Jesus needed to pray a lot, you, me, we need to pray a lot. Yeah, but what are you doing? Now, he he cautioned us against vain repetitions. Don't just pray the same mindless thing over and over and over. He said, don't do that. So what, what are we doing while we're praying? Focusing. Focusing our mind off of our flesh and our feelings and on Him, giving Him our attention. Our full attention, expecting expecting to see and know. We ask Him for the direction. Ask Him for the the next step. Ask Him for what to do. Ask Him. Uh, Too many times, even good people, spiritual people, can get a piece of the plan from God, and then they fill in the blanks themselves. And that's where mistakes come in. Well, you should do this, and then they just decide where to do it and who and, and how, and it gives access to the enemy. The second church that we started in uh, Florida, same thing happened there. Phyllis and I, the Branson Church was, uh, I guess it was 10 years old then, and Phyllis and I kept getting something about starting another work. And over the course of two years, everybody say two years, two years, two years, we looked and prayed and had it on our heart. And we got this certain town to go to, to just go look. You know, a lot of times when you put your feet on the ground, 
When you're in the middle of something, you, you get confirmation or not. And so uh, uh, I was thinking about my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin Sr. and his wife, Miss Aretha. When they turned on the property there in Broken Arrow, uh, the real estate person was going to show it to them. This was before the school existed, before any of that. When they turned on the property, both of them looked at each other and said, this is it. Didn't even really know what was there. But after decades of practicing, paying attention to the witness, that's the main thing they go by. And so we flew in the plane over there, got in the rental car, and within 20 minutes, we're sitting in the parking lot of this factory, small factory that built parts for boats. And we had a witness. We both had a witness. Well, it wasn't a church. It's a factory. It wasn't set up to be. It's going to take a lot to get this in church condition. But we had a witness. Well, we've been here before. We trust that witness. Right? And so uh, we checked on it. They said, oh, it's sold. That's sold. They've already been, uh, it's been on the news, on TV, and the county is subsidizing some things, and it's going to be jobs, and it's been a big deal. Y'all hadn't been around, but yeah, it's sold. So we went and looked at some other places, and bigger places for less money. But had that witness about the boat factory place. So after... Months and dealing with people that just kept saying the same thing. Sometimes you just need to go, next, who else can I talk to? We finally got a hold of one of the representatives of the owner, and they were livid. They said, no, it's not sold. The money is not there. It's not a done deal. We said, okay, we don't want to get in your deal and mess anything up, but if it's not and it's available... Contact us. And they did. And we got it. And they put a, the whole front page of the city paper. You can't even buy that for advertising. They gave it to us said, uh, Mega Church swoops in and scoops up property. <laughs> they weren't trying to bless us. But people read it and came to the church to see... Who it was, and some of those folks are still there 10 years later. But what we, the reason I say that is because what we found out later is that the other properties that were just like 10 miles away and uh, bigger properties for less money. I mean, that's got to be God, right? Huh? I'm making a point here now. Lowest price does not equal the leading of God. Easiest way. See, that's being led externally. We found out 
the place where we are, and we're still there now in Florida, we have had such favor with the city. Favor in building, favor in codes, and all those kind of things. And we found out, we didn't know it because we were new to the area. That other place we were looking at, they don't like churches. And so what you could have done, you could have got it right that we're supposed to have a church in this city. And then just fill in the blanks and, and put it in the wrong county. Are y'all listening? And had trouble, 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 and go out. And it take you years to get something done because of not having favor. In one of those situations, uh, uh, one of the persons says, well, you'll have to get uh, the, such and such, the board and the president of that board, to uh, approve you to be able to do that there. And we say, well, who are they? And they called their name. We knew them. We had met them and done a little business with them. And so we picked up the phone. He said, sure, it's done today. Glory to God. But that wouldn't have been the case 10 miles away. I said many times, folks, have they got part of it. But then they just filled in the blanks themselves. No, you need to continue to check and look. Go, go go to Proverbs. I'm running out of time. Can you come back tomorrow night? I, I'm moving too fast. I'm moving too fast. Let me finish reading this passage, then we'll go there. Romans 8. If I ask you where I was, we're talking about filling in the blank. Romans 8. He said, verse 9, you're not in the flesh. But in the Spirit, if the Spirit of God dwell in you, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. The Spirit of God is in every believer. And he goes on to say, uh, verse 12, Brethren, we are not debtor, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. Uh, to, to mind the, the flesh is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If all you do is look out here to make your decisions and to get your information, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to get weary. There's death out here. But to focus on, on the inside is, is life and peace. Where your mind is, you can tell by looking on somebody's face. Where their mind is. Whether it's flesh outside or whether it's God inside. He said, verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Sons of God can expect to be led by the Spirit of God. That's not head-led that's not feeling-led, that's not people-led, that's not price-led. Huh? So, yeah, but it was the cheapest one. Yeah, but time you have to work on it three times to get it replaced, it won't be the cheapest one. 
Yeah, but gas was 10 cents a gallon over there. Yeah, but when the car hits you in the intersection, because you're at the wrong place at the wrong time, being led by money instead of led by the Spirit. Can you see what we're talking about? And one of the problems is, folks, they just, they don't ever stop and check to see about being led about that. They're like, oh, I got that. But no, you need to be led every day, even in small things. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. Just check. Just check inside. Just look. Just check. Not in your head, but here. Looking for the witness. Some uh, minister friends of mine... Uh, were going to uh, uh, going on vacation with their two young daughters. This particular place, uh, I forget the name of it. Y'all will probably remember it when I finish telling the story. But uh, somewhere in, in Asia on this beautiful beach. And they had planned it for months. Both of them's ministers. And um, it, it comes the day before they're leaving. And the husband says, I, I got to check. I got to check about this. Well, they don't want to tell their girls they're not going. I mean, they've been planning this right, you know, for months and months. And so he and she talked about it and talked. And, and finally, they, they said, we just, uh, sorry, girls. We, you know, you'd have to override your heart to go. And it was that weekend that that tsunami hit that beach. Anybody remember the name of the place? It was all over the news. Terrible. Horrible. And they would have been right there. On, on that day. And sometimes people say, well, you know, did you hear about such and such ministers and, and what happened to them and wonder why God didn't protect them? Wrong question. I said, wrong question. Wrong question. The question is, why didn't they listen? I assure you, with every child of God, and the enemy's got some evil thing set up trying to hurt you or take you out, the Spirit of God, without fail, will try to get across to you. Huh? To save you. But the problem is, if you never practice yielding to him or listening to him any other time, how are you going to notice this time? It's got to be a lifestyle. And you practice it every day. Then, when it's a big thing comes up, it really stands out to you. And you, you have to not be stuck to your plan. Yeah, but we spent money. Yeah, but we'll lose some of our deposit. Yeah, but that's better than losing your life. But see, how would you know that? How would they know? They didn't. But God did. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. Somebody said, that's me, that's me, that's me. That's me. I'm a child of God. And I am led... Every day, every night, I am led by the Spirit of God. 
Then he tells you how. How the Holy Spirit does it. Read the next verse. He said, you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. That's the number one way the devil leads you. Is through fear. Acting on fear allows the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. It's following him. We didn't receive a spirit of fear. We've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, which, which describes the nature of this relationship and communication. Um, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And the dealings of the Spirit are not strange to you. They are very, very familiar to you. It's Abba communicating to you. Daddy, Papa. And verse 16 tells us how he does it. The Spirit itself, most of you uh, more accurate translations say himself. The Spirit himself bears witness with what? Not your body. Not your head. Come on, y'all with me. He bears witness with your spirit. So you got to believe you're a spirit, and you got to become aware of your own spirit to, to uh, be aware of his dealings. Because he's not going to deal with you through your flesh and through your intellect. He's going to commune with you through your own spirit. And it's by that witness, which is a knowing, an awareness, and a knowing. God has a plan for everyone in this building. And everyone that will hear this, God has a very specific, good plan, wonderful plan. Sadly, many people live and die and never find the plan of God for their life. And that's why it's so hard. And they all, people keep saying, it just seems like there should be more. You know why it seems like there should be more? Because there is more. But you won't find it racking your brain or asking everybody else. Pray. Wait on God. Focus on Him. And while you're praying in the Spirit, you're checking in here. Checking in here. Check. If I do this, what kind of witness do I have about that? Okay, if I don't do it, what kind of witness do I have about that? And, and if you'll practice it, it'll get clearer and clearer to you. Clearer and clearer. More and more distinct. But you've got to shut off all of the loud voices in the world around you. And you've got to get off your phone once in a while. Because let me, let me go a step further. This, this divine plan you're looking for, it ain't in there. It's not in there. I saw some people the other day, they were at this event. There was like a once in a lifetime event. And they showed the people, they're all out there like this. 
with the foam, they've got a barrier between them and the experience. That's only going to probably only get the experience once in a lifetime, and they're more focused on getting to relive the experience after it happened, being a viewer instead of experiencing it. Technology can be a barrier. It can be something between you and the experience. One reason I talk about this is because the flesh, the sermon keeps growing on me, the flesh is impatient. Very very impatient. And technology, being designed by people of flesh, is geared toward that. And they tell us, somebody was telling me the other day, talking about website things, if people didn't find something that caught their attention with X amount of seconds, they're already going to the other thing. Well, that's totally childish. That you can't focus over 10 seconds. And if you're doing that, boom, 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 you just hear, 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 hear. And people imagine they're such great multitaskers. <laughs> like Pastor was saying, we, we're pilots, we fly jets faster. And I tell you, there's no such thing as being a multitasker. I said, well, I am. I'm a good one. No. Mm-mm. You can do several things darting back and forth between them. But when you look at this, you're missing something over here. And depending on how fast it's happening, what's going on, can you afford to miss it? But with God, does He deserve our full attention? Does He? Should He have? Turn it off, turn it off, unplug it if you need to, and give him some full focus. Be still, he said. Didn't he say it? And know that I am God. Why? Why would that be important? Why, why, why? Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on the, why? Because what you need is not out here. There's a lot of stuff you don't need to hear out going. There are many voices in the world, none of them without signification. But what did the Lord tell uh, Martha? One thing is needful. And in every situation, There is the one thing. You don't need to know all the 150 choices. You only need to know the one you're supposed to do. Is that right? So doing this endless research and doing these mega searches and all that and thinking you're smart because you're accumulating data, data, data. data. Okay, but when you get done, you still got to make a choice. What do you do? Well, I need more data. You don't need data. You need witness. 
Witness. Witness. Witness. And until you got that, you're not ready. Everybody stand on your feet, please.